to hear the visiting. Uh, lots going on. People are glad to be here, and it's encouraging always midweek to assemble here to study God's Word, to be edified uh, by God's Word and by one another. And we are honored that you're here tonight, and we have visitors. And it just seems like we have a, a number of visitors every Wednesday night, and for that we're thankful. I hope you'll make your plans to be back with us on Sunday for our worship at 930, and then our Bible classes for all ages will be at uh, 5 o'clock. I hope you will pick up one of the bulletins tonight uh, if you haven't done so before you leave. I've got a few things to add to that, especially regarding the sick. Uh, we want to remember Sister Ruth Staley, Anita's mom, who is in the local hospital here in Boonville. Also, we're thankful that Brother Billy Deaton was able to come home from the hospital today. He had uh, a valve replacement yesterday and a pacemaker put in, and he still came home today. Uh, he's an amazing man. He really is. But uh, he's weak right now, but hopefully he'll continue to make progress. Also, we want to remember Mary uh, Sullivan, uh, the mother of Wendy Long. Uh, she's undergoing some heart evaluations right now. It's pretty serious, but we want to remember her and that family in our prayers. Also, we want to mention Jason Zelke, who is the interim preacher at the Indianola Church of Christ. Uh, uh, his wife, Becky, was 21 weeks along, and they lost the baby uh, yesterday. Uh, it might have been the day before, but anyhow, that's certainly uh, heart-wrenching for them. And uh, we want to remember that family in our prayers, and of course, that'll impact certainly the entire church. It's a small congregation there. So please remember Jason uh, Zelke and his wife Becky and their family during this difficult time. As far as our youth, there'll be a youth Halloween party coming up on Friday, October the 27th at the Jumper House. Uh, sign in the foyer if you're going to attend. And then, of course, our trunk or treat will be coming up a week from Sunday on the 29th. There's also some lists to sign uh, to have a trunk or whatever in uh, the foyer. Uh, this coming Sunday night at 5 o'clock, we've got a very special event that's taking place. The Freed Harbin University Chorale is going to be here with us, and uh, the men of that uh, group will be conducting our devotional thoughts, and then they'll present their program, and then following that, we're going to have a potluck meal. And so we need you to uh, make sure that you bring uh, your favorite casserole dish and bring enough for yourself and for our guests as well. And uh, our visitation team is going to be helping uh, with the meal, and they ask that everyone please uh, try to bring those items. And there's sign-up sheets in the foyer uh, for those that can help clean up or set up. But we really need the food as well, so please remember that. Uh, the Golden Circle, you need to remember your payments due for the Kentucky-Tennessee trip. Uh, please see Jim Estes about that. Also, uh, I have with me, and I'll have to look at this myself. I'm not a cook. You know, I can make a good sandwich sometime. But uh, this is a cookbook. The Pinevale Children's Home has compiled a book called Cooking with Friends. Uh, these are available back there in the foyer. Uh, they're $15 each. Make your checks payable to Pinevale. So if you want to take a look at one of these and maybe buy that and help the uh, Pinevale Children's Home, that would be much appreciated. Our food pantry and our clothes closet uh, will be taking place tomorrow from 9 to 10.30. We'd love to have you to come and help us. 
Also, Lads to Leaders Song Leading and Songs of Praise Workshop, you're going to meet again this coming Sunday following uh, the worship service in the TAC. I'm sure it'll be along the same lines as what we had last Sunday, so please remember that. Uh, song Leading and Songs of Praise Worship. That's all I have for our uh, announcements tonight. Uh, for our devotional, uh, Brother Ken Scott is going to be leading our singing. Brother J.T. Beard will lead our prayer. And uh, Brother Billy Martin is going to present our devotional thoughts. Mark your hymn books to 907. 907. This will be a song of encouragement at the proper time. Then take your hymn books and turn to 415. 415.
You can take my place, JT. <laughs> Jeremy gets my PowerPoint uh, loaded here. Hope everyone's had a good day. Oh yeah, here it goes. All right, girls, listen carefully. This is the wrecking department. Yes, ma'am. Now, the candy will pass by on this conveyor belt and continue into the next room where the girls will pack it. Now, your job is to take each piece of candy and wrap it in one of these papers and then put it back on the belt. You understand? Yes, sir. Yes, yes. ma'am. Let her roll! <laughs> Let her roll! Well, wait here. Somebody's asleep at the switch. What are you doing up here? I thought you were downstairs boxing chocolates. Oh, they kicked me out of there fast. Why? I kept pinching them to see what kind they were. <laughs> this is the fourth department I've been in. Oh, I didn't do so well either. No. All right, girls. Now, this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her roll! <laughs> ever had a day like Lucy and Ethel? I mean, I just think maybe Cameron, Aaron, Bo, Todd, Ken, Doug have had days like that, where you're just so busy and then things get faster. One point to my lesson tonight, and that's when we have, do we have time? What is our mindset? We're so busy. What are we seeking? Life in peace. What is your mind set on? Whatever our mind is set on reveals who we are. In the text, in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, 
We're given a choice of where to set our mind and shown the consequences. Looking at the text, Romans 8, 6, my Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's what we should be seeking, a mindset for life and peace, to be spiritually minded. When we read this, the choice seems easy, doesn't it? Who doesn't want life and peace? But to set one's mind on the spirit requires diligence, desire, and determination. The consequence of the two mindsets are far apart. Let's look at the first, the two words, life and peace. Life is the eternal life Jesus offers and peace to be in harmony with God and man. And so while studying the carnal mind, one word kept popping up over and over and over. And that was selfishness. The carnal mind is dominated by selfishness. Self-willed, self-focused, and self-seeking. The carnal mind is devoid of the ability to surrender wholeheartedly to God. <clears throat> but the choice is ours. The purpose of the gospel is not to make men happy, it's to make men holy. As the Beatitudes clearly state that genuine happiness belongs to Christ and as long as we are obedient to his will. So as Paul said in this text, Tonight, just ask your question, just ask the question to yourself. Are you walking according to the flesh? Or are you walking according to the spirit? Do you want life and peace? The good news is tonight you can find life and peace by putting Christ on in baptism or if you need the prayers of the church. So if we can help you in any way, please come now while we stand and sing.
Would you bow with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for the blessings of the day, for this beautiful day that's been ours to enjoy, and all the physical blessings that have gone with it, for all the food and the sunshine and the friendship and the ability to be out and be doing a lot of the things that we love to do. We're so thankful for this time of the year when our, the seasons are changing and everything is so delightful for most of us. We're thankful, Father, for the wisdom of so many people here tonight that they decided to come out and study your word. We're thankful for the Boonville Church as they give us opportunities to grow spiritually in so many different ways. We're thankful for all the different programs that uh, the church is involved in here, for the food uh, pantry, the caring cooks, the college ministry, just so many different programs, leaders, so many different programs that are almost too numerous to mention. We're so thankful for those programs that help us in so many different ways, and we thank, we're thankful for so many different people that are involved in, in helping in those, those programs. We're thankful for those that have agreed to teach our classes from time to time. We pray that you'd be with them tonight, help them to remember what they've prepared to say. Help us study and read and listen to what's being said, and help us to do that in view of eternity, realizing that one day we will have to give an account for how we've handled and and used your word while we're here up on this earth. We pray your blessings up on those that are sick, those that have been mentioned tonight, and we are especially, Father, ask for the Zelke family, ask prayers for the Zelke family. We know this must be a horrible situation that they're in there, the loss of the uh, newborn baby, and we pray that you would be with them and comfort them as only you can. Go with us now as we continue throughout our Bible study tonight. Keep us safe on the way home and help us to live the kind of life that we need to live until we're able to meet again. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Sing one verse of Jesus Loves Me as the teachers make their way to the classroom. <clears throat> Jesus loves me, this I know.
All right, I believe it's about time to begin. We will know we had an update on Brother Billy Deaton. Glad to hear that he's doing better. Anyone have any updates on anyone else on a prayer list or anyone to add? Okay, her last name. Anyone else? All right, we'll go ahead and begin in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and blessings you've given us. We're so thankful for our health and strength that we have to go out in the world. So thankful of all the blessings you've given each one of us. We're so thankful for our ability to gather here in this midweek Bible study. So thankful to come here out from the world and be with like-minded people and open thy word and meditate upon it and discuss it, Lord, and pray that we'll continue to feed on it. Pray, Lord, that we'll always continue to desire it. Pray, Lord, that we will continue to grow and show your love. Lord, we ask thee for the many number of sick and afflicted. Lord, pray for many, especially here, many of that are undergoing cancer treatments and Many that have undergone um, procedures, Lord, we pray for Sister Mary King. Pray for her and strength and comfort and healing. Lord, we pray for especially the family of the lost child. Lord, we pray for them. And Lord, we pray in the days to come for, for hope and strength that only you can give. Lord, we ask thee to be with this country at this time. Lord, we pray for unity and love for each other. Lord, we pray to, to separate from the division of many places. Lord, we pray to to come together and love one another and pray, Lord, that you will be glorified in it. Lord, we ask thee to be with us in this Bible study. Lord, pray to bless it if it be thy will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, as we pick up here, we're going to move to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I don't think we're going to make it to the end of 2 Corinthians. I don't think we've only got another week or two left, but, but that's all right. Uh, so we look here at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, and I feel sorry for whoever has the next Wednesday night devotional. It's going to be hard to top brother Billy Martin in that, so glad it isn't me. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have here, verses 1 and 2. The scripture says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. As we look back here from earlier studies, <clears throat> where was it in the Bible that we read about Paul was the one that took the gospel to Corinth? Acts 18. Acts 18. All right, we read there and realize he was the one that brought it there. And In this passage, a section of words that stuck out to me was, be, you are being saved. And it says, and by which you are being saved. And referring to the gospel. <clears throat> so with all the things going on and the problems here, they were continually, they were growing and they were still being saved from God's word. So as we looked there, that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, verses 3 and 4. Scripture says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according with the scriptures that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day in accordance 
with the Scriptures. So there's two phrases here, according to the Scriptures. Uh, does anyone remember what is being referenced here as far as according to the Scriptures in this text? Death, burial, and resurrection. That's exactly. Also as well, another Scripture is looking back. Um, will be Isaiah 53, 4 through 10. Uh, Isaiah 53, 4 through 10. Scripture says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who was, who was considered, that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He, ha he shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong the days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So we look at these people, some of these Old Testament prophecies and stuff like that. What's another prophecy that comes to mind of someone who was converted? Um, I was looking back and was, was referencing Isaiah. Think about the eunuch. Some other ones, there's also as well, there's reference back there. As we look also in the scripture, you know, we think about denying or changing the gospel. You know, in the text of this, the reference of it, you know, we think about that, you know, the consequences or the seriousness of the offense of it. If we would look at Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. Galatians 1, 6 through 9, the scripture says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, say now, so now say I again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel <clears throat> contrary to the one received, let him be accursed. So as you look here in the scripture, the reference of some of these of denying the gospel or denying the resurrection, you know, it's, it's a pretty serious thing to be going on that he's dealing with. As we move on down the scripture, verse 6, picking up at 5, it says, And he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. What's he speaking of here in this reference of falling asleep? Dead. So deceased, and we look at that. As we look from the timeline here to back from the cross, about how many years previous was the cross? Three 
We're looking at roughly about 20 years. So looking about A.D. 53, looking back on it in the time. So we look at the age of the church and, you know, the state of it, you know, in comparison, you know, of the years of where they are. So it kind of gives a little reference of the, the time frame we have here. Verse 7 and 8, the scripture says, Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, last as of all as to one untimely born, and he also appeared to me. As far as an untimely born, what is the reference to him here speaking about? Was it there with the original 12? You know, he came after, and even before in the scripture, they was talking about not even accepting him, you know, if someone was not considering him an apostle. So, you know, he had to deal with that throughout it, as well, you know, as the wrong that he had done in the church previously. So, that's right. You know, he'd come through, and, you know, we look at, you know, God said he'd show him what he would suffer. So, you know, we look at, you know, um, you know many people and looked at Ananias going to him, you know, people were kind of questionable of it because they knew the havoc that he had brought on the church. In verses 9, beginning to 11, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though... I was not, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether them was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. So one thing about Paul, you know, he's continually looking to give glory to God. You know, he deflects any glory coming to him and always, you know, gives it directly to the Lord. But the passage he states here in the ESV, it says, I am what I am. What does that say to y'all or how do y'all feel about this statement that he's making? I am what I am. See, at face value, he never proclaimed to be anybody else. You know, and as many of us in our walk of life, you know, sometimes we have hiccups, make mistakes, and fall. And sometimes people see that. You know, they definitely seen it with Paul here. You know, he had overcome many things. But him making the statement, I am what I am, he's confident in his salvation. You know, he's not letting that hinder and other things. You know, as we think about that, do we doubt our salvation at times? Absolutely. From time to time, people, you know, it, it happens. The world drags us down. Things happen. You know, look at, you know, doubting our salvation. What are some reasons and things, things have caused that, that might cause some of us to doubt our salvation today? As you get older, you look at things and realize, you know, in your youth, you know, as you get older and you're studying things, it's a, it's a very important thing. You know, sometimes we even question at that age, you know, the mentality or the decision we made. So that could be, you know, doubting, you know, our seriousness at baptism. You know, we look at the world we live in. You know, we think about the things we contact and the things we're around that draw us down. You know, it's, you know, it's why it's 
so great and it's you know such an awesome thing and midweek bible study coming back being together building each other up you know we work out all week in the stresses and worries of the world and we get back here and get our focus back and get in the word you know it's it's ever more important today than it's ever been All right, verse 12 and on, Scripture says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misinterpreting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. <clears throat> then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And in Christ we have hope in this life only. We are of all people most to be pitied. So as we look here, you know, what was the thing that all the people of this day, the unbelievers, you know, if they believed that Jesus was not the Christ... What is one thing they could have done to prove the point that Jesus was in fact not the Christ? What could they have done? They would certainly have had to deny all those witnesses that he's just talked about before. Most definitely would have denied that. But what would they would they have had to have shown to have proved? They'd have had to produce the body. You know, think that's one thing they could never do through it. They could never produce the body. You know, he ascended, he was risen. You know, it would have ended all of it right then, but they could not do it. It could not be done. In verse 14, it says, in verse 14, if Christ had not been raised, there's roughly six points here that brings out and looks. That if there is no resurrection of the dead, you know, you have these things that they brought out. The first one is preaching is meaningless. So we look and think about that preaching being meaning, meaningless. You know, the greatest news that we could ever had, have would become the worst news if this was true. You know, across the USA, there's roughly about 380,000 churches. You know, and depending on varying, you know, what we believe and other aside, you know, they meet there to worship a risen Savior. So we look at the vastness of people every Sunday coming together for that. The saying that the point of this, the preaching will be meaningless. The second point that was brought up, they said faith is without substance. So our faith that we have is saying there's nothing to it. You know, every person, um, you know, we think about Hebrews 11. We look at every person in there. It would be more or less disavowing them and thinking what they had died would have been for nothing. We think about the martyrs all across the world, the great effect of this. If Christ had not been raised, we look at this. All of their lives would have been for nothing. The third point, it will be proving and saying that the apostles were all liars. Not only just the apostles, like Brother Jim said, everyone who come out and was a witness and everyone that seen him, it would be calling them liars. The fourth point would say that our faith is futile. You know, we think about our faith, you know, of it being futile, and it also is claiming us that we are still in our sins. Of all these points, this one is by far one of the most scary thoughts to think about it. You know, we think about the blood not covering us. You think about that sacrifice not being what we needed if Christ had not been raised. The fifth point says that dead believers 
or perished. You know, as many of us have lost loved ones, people even this week have lost loved ones, we think about that. The point that they're saying here, the reference of it, the dead believers were perished. You know, think of the vast number of that. And the last one is that we're to be pitied. And if this was true, we would most definitely need to be pitied. But we know the reality. You know, we live, we know that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. You know, the Christian's hope is one of the greatest things. You know, we know the truth. We know the scripture. We know the evidence of the creation that it gives. You know, we have every day reasons to understand and believe. And by all, we have the, the unrefuted word. As we look at verses 20 through 26, Scripture says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes at the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, destroying every rule and every authority of power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the at last enemy to be destroyed is death. You know, we think and look at that last passage, the enemy, enemy of death. How great an enemy is death today? You know, we think about the pain it brings. Think about the loneliness here, sorrow once passed on. But for the Christian, it's most definitely not the end. And any questions or comments up to this point? As we look at the next section, the passages 29 through 34, Scripture tells us, Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, my brothers, but my, but my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as right, and I do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. To the point of the passage, he talks about speaking with beast at Ephesus. A commentary had a footnote of kind of a, oh, I guess more of a historical document of, of from that time. And we look and realize of Corinth, of the great vastness of the, the games and other stuff, only second to Rome. The note here says that public contests to entertain people with the spectacle of death were extremely popular in the Roman world. Throughout the empire, Romans built stadiums where professional gladiators, prisoners, and slaves fought wild animals and each other to the death for sport. Paul's figure of speech, fought with wild beasts, most, mostly describes his human enemies as the characteristics of wild animals, but as some claim, but not actually being fought in the arena as of the day. So as we look at the times of today and things being bad and we look there and think about the wickedness and stuff going on, you know, we look at every generation of stuff, even in those days they had different things going on. You know, as we look at this taking the view of the resurrection, 
You know, Paul's speaking about these things that the apostles and the Christians are doing because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. You know, the resurrection of Christ and the hope of our resurrection are supposed to lead us to do as mentioned of these three things. The first point we look, the baptism for the dead to bring life. You know, as baptism, we all know, you know, it symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection. You know, the question is brought up here, you know, why is everyone being baptized if the dead stay dead? So to make the point valid, you know, saying if this is not true, there's no point of it. But why would Christians baptize on behalf of the dead? You know, what happens at baptism? You know, there's a raising in baptism a body of a new life. You know, many times we state and look and talk about bearing the old man to sin. But baptism not only signifies our spiritual life, but also the hope in the resurrection of the dead. As we look at the second part, we think about the sacrificial living. In verses 30 through 32, kind of the second point of the argument here that comes is the concerns of their own physical safety. You know, why would the apostles and the preachers of the gospel in the first century face these kinds of danger they were facing if there was no resurrection of the dead? So why would they go to great lengths, put themselves out there, if this was not in fact, you know, if there was no resurrection? You know, they're facing dangers every day. You know, we look at some of the apostles, you know, at, at their end, what they went through. Look at the martyrs, look at many people. Think about Stephen. Think about all these who gave their life. You know, Paul would be a fool to risk his life if there was no resurrection. You know, Paul lived his life in view of it. You know, and he lived with the full expectation of the resurrection. And that's why he did what he did and lived how he lived. Paul admits that what he's doing doesn't make any sense if looked from a human point of view. So as you look at this, you know, if I had something personal to gain, you know, in reference of it, then why would he be doing it? Deeming his actions as senseless. You know, if he only has the hope of human, has human hopes in this life. The resurrection of the dead changes everything about how we live. Paul did not live for the preservation of his life. He lived for the advancing of the gospel. You know, as we think and face things of that, we look at it, you know, you think about the missionary people that came and was talking about God's word going through China and many other places. You know, as we go through that, it's a pretty, you know, as we think about here defending the gospel and standing up for it, we may not have as great consequences as many other, but it puts it in perspective for us what people all over the world are doing, standing up and spreading God's word. He lived for the advancing of the gospel because of the hope of the resurrection. It means that he would give his life to follow Jesus and we should risk our lives for him. You know, as we look at sacrificing things and we look at what Christ did for us, you know, we talked about it before, we asked the question, what did Jesus give for us? Gave his life and gave his blood. What else did he give? He left, he left heaven to come down here. What else did he give up? What did the scripture say about his house? Didn't have one. Birds have nests, foxes have holes, and the son of man hath not a place to lay his head. You know, he gave up things that we enjoy and have every day. Fame, fortune, think of all these things that he gave up for us. You know, Christians today do and should have a different mindset in the world. You know, physical death for a 
Christian is no longer, no longer the greatest fear for us or the greatest tragedy. Mark 8.35 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. Let's look at a passage and look at Paul and some of his sufferings. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. Second Corinthians eleven, twenty four through twenty eight. Scripture says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at the sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, Dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. In toil and hardships through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, this is the daily pressure of me, anxiety for all the churches. You know, we think about some of these things. You know, think about a night and the day in the deep. You know, think about danger of his own countrymen, own brothers. You know, look at these things. It really puts in perspective of what they went through, you know, as we look and, and see of it. You know, we have many blessings today in this time of us being a Christian. I know we have many things we combat and go through that's, that's definitely difficult, but it was most definitely a different time for them. The last point of these three points was holy living. You know, Paul warns these Christians not to be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You know, as we look and think about what Paul's teaching, listening to bad teaching also corrupts. You know, we need to make sure as we look and reference this that we are the good company and not the bad company. You know, it goes kind of two ways as we look at that. You know, just as much, we need to be that good example. We need to be those good people that other ones strive to be around. You know, we need to be the ones exhorting one another, lifting each other up. Kind words, supporting, and loving. Any questions or comments? All right, as we get to verses 35 through 39, as we look here and talk about the resurrection of the body, the scripture says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What do you sow that does not come to life unless it dies? And what do you sow in the body? It is to be but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body that he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. So we look and think about that. You know, what's some things that we're passing today that's dying but has new fruit inside of it? Should be a lot of it in our areas. We look and think about soybeans, we think about corn. You know, just we look at the resurrection, baptism, and other things. You know, as the point he makes here, you know, without death there's no life. You know, we look in the physical world of that. You know, we see that every day inside the, 
the shuck of that corn will be a shiny, shiny ear of corn of it. And just like he makes the reference as we do here. Absolutely. When it comes out, it's a lot more glory than the first state, right? And that's the way we should be. We should definitely see a change. You know, just as in that, we tell a difference in the way that we walk and the way that we are. Verses, as we skip on down to verses 42 through 44, Scripture says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, but there is also a spiritual body. As we look here on to verse 50, Scripture says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So as we look and think about that, why can flesh and blood not enter into the kingdom of heaven? Spiritual place. Spiritual place. And what is, you know, flesh, it's not pure, is it? You know, and the, the change, you know, talks about the twinkling of an eye. You know, talks about here it says that the perishable cannot inherit, the perishable inherit the imperishable. So as we think about that, putting off the filth of the flesh, another reference as well as it talks about baptism here of that, same as the seed and the corn reference of it. You know, as we look, the last section of the scripture, verses 51 through 58, the word says, Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we, out, we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, as we look here in the last part of that, there's a few statements, parts of this made. We look at the first one of being steadfast. Now, what comes to mind as you think about steadfastness? Faithfulness. You know, they kind of run hand in hand with one another. Anything else come to mind of steadfastness? Not giving up. Perseverance. You know, pushing on, moving forward. Anyone else? As we look together at Acts 2.42, the scripture says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and of breaking bread and prayers. You know, as we look as they devoted themselves the steadfastness, the continuousness of it. Uh, also in Second Peter, Second Peter three seventeen. 
Scripture says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless people and lose your own stability. So as the warning is here, you know, we look at that, holding on that steadfastness, not being tossed to and fro of it. The second statement here is unmovable. You know, as we think about the word unmovable, what comes to mind when you think of it? Anchor. Can't be moved. Set solid. You know, some people, when you think about talking, doing things, sometimes they're unmovable. We think about setting their ways. We think about the anchor holding, holding steady. But the most important, we think about being unmovable in our faith. If someone's unmovable in their faith, what's not going to happen to them? They're not going to be drifted away, not going to fall away. You know, the faith is going to push on. It's going to have preeminence and priority in their life. The third, third statement's made is always abounding in the work of the Lord. What does it mean to y'all of always abounding in the work of the Lord? Staying busy. go where there's plenty, right? We think about always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, it's not just doing the work of the Lord, but it's continual. It's abounding in it. You know, as we think about the many works here, there's, you know, as much stuff as possible that you'd want to get involved in, things about doing. But we think about all the works here. You know, how many people does it take to do these acts? You know, how much does it just take one or two people to do the clothes closet? It takes a lot, don't it? Think several. You know, think about the sacrifices made. That's abounding in the work of the Lord. You think about spreading the gospel. You know, think about the landmark nursing home, prison ministry. We look at all these. These are always abounding in the work of the Lord. And the last one is knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What does this mean to us of knowing that the that in the Lord your labor is not in vain? We look at the account of it, things we've done. You know, talked about the judgment, you know, the things done in our body. You know, we look at that. But we think about this statement, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, we think about our labors here on earth. Is our labors here on earth in vain? You know, we think about things. Think about putting a roof on your house or tires on your car. You know, it's just an endless cycle. It's never done. We think about the works we do in the Lord, though. They're never ending. They're always remaining. They'll follow us into the next life. You know, as we look to do that, you know, it's something, you know, we talked about lay not up treasures, you know, on earth, but in heaven, you know, where moth and rust do not corrupt. You know, I think it ties hand in hand, you know, to this statement of those things. The things we can be doing here, you know, that's really the ones that matters. Any questions or comments? We've got just a minute or two before we close. Any points here in chapter 15? Being steadfast and movable in the faith. Uh, I know a lot of people that are steadfast and movable in what they believe. As a matter of fact, I talked to a man today and that's what reminded me. He's not going to be moved from what he believes but if the Bible's right, he's just as wrong as a person can be. So we need to make sure that uh, before we 
set of feet of concrete that, that grown solid ground. I think your point, what you're trying to say also as well, that sometimes unmovable cannot be a good thing. We need to make sure that it is abounded in the Word of God, His doctrine and faith, and from the Word. Good point, Brother JT. Anybody else before we close in prayer? I'll go ahead and dismiss this. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and this other time that we've had to come together. We're so thankful to have your word that we can study and meditate upon it. We're so, so thankful for all the ones gathered here that has a love for you and a desire to feed on your word. And so thankful of all the support we have one another and the, the love and the brethren. Lord, we're so thankful for all the ones that labor here and the many works that are done in your name. Lord, we, we pray that you'll always receive the glory for everything done here. Lord, we as well pray that, that all these things that we look and present, we pray, Lord, that they're always from your word. We look, pray, Lord, that we'll never err from your doctrine. Lord, we're so thankful for the leadership that we have here. We're so thankful for the elders and deacons. We pray for them and the, the great responsibility that they have. We're so thankful for the the work and the foresight that they look for the future of your church. We're so thankful and pray that, that many souls will continue to be saved and pray that that'll be all of our goal is to carry the gospel unto all. Lord, we ask thee to be with us as we depart from this place and pray, Lord, to bring, it, bring us back at the next point in time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.